Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Helen Wyman, and you're listening to the Wheel Suckers podcast. I'm your captain, Alex. I look after social media marketing and events at Look Mum No Hands, and I'm joined by my stoker, Jenny. What do you do, Jenny? I'm the director of the London Bike Kitchen. I run a DIY bike, bike workshop where people can learn how to fix their own bikes through classes, drop-in sessions, and our women and gender variant wag nights. We are joined by a very special guest. Hello. <laughs> Please say your name. <laughs> My name is Helen Wyman. And what do you do, Helen Wyman? I am a professional cyclocross rider. Wow. Oh my God. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds better than it is. No. So have some stats cool. that you started at the age of 14. Yeah. And you were a pro, were you a pro by 23? Uh, yeah, so I started riding a bike before I could walk, basically, what? but then I started racing when I was 14, because my brother, we were out riding, and we met a guy from the local cycling club, and my brother was like, yeah, I want to have a go at that, and so we joined the club, and then because he did it, I had to do everything he did, and try and do it better, <laughs> and so I did, and then uh, when I was 18, I went to university, and I was training to be a physiotherapist, so my work placements were took up my summer time so I could no longer do road racing and I took up cyclocross and then which is a winter sport which is a winter sport and I could ride to my placements so it was really easy and you didn't need to train long distance you could get away with lots of short training so and yeah and within I went to work and then when I was 23 I won my first national race in the UK and at the time the Great Britain manager needed riders for the Olympic program the following year so I rode in all their road races and then the next year I was top 10 in World Cups and then quit my job and the rest is history. Amazing. Here we are. Wait, Olympic program for cyclocross? No, for oh, road. I was like, there's Olympics. No, it was 2004 <laughs> and it was the road Olympics and they needed riders to fill out the team because they'd already had their, they knew who was going to the Olympics but they needed six riders for a team and I, yeah, I was pretty good so I did a load of road racing. Cool. And this year... Marked your 10th win? 10th national title, yeah, in That's cross. Amazing. That's pretty cool. 10 in 12 years or 13? 10 in 13 years. One year I didn't race. Last year I didn't race because I still had a broken collarbone. So. Yes, yeah, so I was going to ask you about that. The, the broken collarbone. Is <laughs> the story you got, you got back on pretty quick? So, yeah, so European champs, 
uh, a rider's foot went in my front wheel and turned Ooh. the wheel, so I stopped instantly. <laughs> so it was at the start as well. We were doing like, yeah, 45, 50k an hour, and I went zero. And so I got concussion and stuff, and I had to broke my collarbone, smashed up my legs, my face, my arms. Oh, my God. So I ended up having it pinned um, a couple of days later. And so because of that, it, within 10 days, I could get back on the trainer, but my I couldn't really walk very well because <laughs> I had these massive scabs. They did an amazing job in Belgium of cleaning up everything, and I was pretty much in a daze for the first 10 days. And then I went on a trainer for like 20 minutes and was so happy with myself. But I couldn't ride outside again until three, four weeks later. Mm. And it, it did hurt for quite a long time. And then I was allowed to ride off-road in December. So that was like nearly six, seven weeks later. And then I did my first race back was a World Cup. And then the second race was Worlds. Nice. <laughs> wow. wow. Did, you have, yeah. did you have the fear? Or were you like, yeah, cool, let's go, let's go? Um, the second race was, yeah, the second race had lots of sharp descents and it was really icy. So Ooh. there was actually, and it was quite hard going, like, for trying to create your own form of suspension. And, and so it made this, the collarbone hurt quite a lot. But mm. yeah, it was, that race was, but since then, not, not so much. Good. Was that your first big crash? Have you had quite a few crashes previous? Yeah, you crash all the time in cross, but mm. I've never hurt myself. Like, I, that's the first time I've broken anything in my life. Wow. So it was, yeah, and that was traumatic crash. It wasn't like a, yeah, you fell off and broke your collarbone. or It, it was like, ah, crash. <laughs> you know, it was pretty crazy. I don't remember anything for like the first two hours afterwards, really. Oh, wow. I just remember hearing Steph's voice and then, screaming and then not remembering anything else after that really so, <laughs> so it's like, wow, yeah it was <laughs> yeah that is like it was well, pretty pretty I mean, horrendous I mean, for how long you've been riding for for that to be your first I mean that makes me feel a little bit better yeah yeah and like <laughs> you avoided it so yeah. until now avoided it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like painful and there was a doctor there that used to race she was world champion in cross and she was there for the French team but and so she knew me and she was like oh okay we'll give her an injection to get rid of the pain and so she gave me this really strong painkiller of some description mm. and uh, but it gave me cramps so in the ambulance like I didn't know where I was and I kept oh, asking Steph no. like where are we what what do we do and like well how did I do this where and then I said um how did Amira do who was the young rider we were looking after at the time and every time Steph's like oh yeah she got such and such and yeah you're at the European champ she crashed and and then I'd go ah cramp and then he'd have to like move a leg or something (laughs) and then I'd say where are we what are we doing and then I'd go ah cramp and then he'd have to move another leg (laughs) and so it was like this for him it was a nightmare and then we told Amira and uh that I kept asking how she did and, and Amira said why didn't you just tell her I won at least she'd be happy for five minutes <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah. it was fun times <laughs> so I have I've just written UCI what have you done for well you've worked did you work for UCI uh, no I was on the cyclocross commission so the way the UCI works is that you have commissions for each discipline and those people decide the rules and then they take it to the management committee and the management committee agree the rules or not agree the rules depending on what they want to do so we propose what's going to happen they agree or disagree and then it becomes the rules of the of that sport so I was put on as a token woman when Brian Cookson put women on. And I mean, at the time we had, I'd written a piece about 
the, the World Championships are in America and the men have this rule that if you're in the top 50 and the top three from your nation, your nation have to select you. They have to put you on the team. And there wasn't a rule for the women. And so at that World Championships, because it's expensive, France didn't send one of their riders who was 11th in the world ranking and Denmark wouldn't send their rider who was 25th in the world ranking. And so I wrote this piece, this opinion piece, and uh, it went viral, basically. And then someone set up a, a thing that said, we, wanna, we want the same rules for the women. And it got something like 120,000 signatures. And every time someone signed, it went to Brian Cookson. Nice. <laughs> and they kind of thought it was me. It wasn't me. And the woman who did it was fantastic for doing it. But because of that, they kind of like, we, we need a token woman on every commission. And she's vocal. It's better to have her in-house. Is basically, I think, why they asked me. And I said yes and was like, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, Let's yeah. change this. Yeah. <laughs> Did you make changes? Then? Yes. So we, the first thing we did was change the top 50 rule for the World Championships. The second thing was we made a rule that every women's race has to be immediately before the men's. Because in Belgium, they were picking us on at 10.30 in the morning. You don't get any fans, any spectators. Start money's terrible when that happens. And mm. So we changed that rule. Um, and as a direct consequence of that, the other major series in Belgium that was putting the women before the men went to get television coverage for us. And because of that, the first series then made an overall prize fund. And because of that, the, the other series did other things. And so now we have um, 35 races live on television in Belgium. We have prize money for both overall series. There's much better start money for the other series because... They didn't need to pay start money. Now they do because they need good riders. So that was another change we made. We made UCI professional teams, started that, and they have to have a woman. You have three riders count for your overall ranking, and one of them has to be a woman. They equalised C1 and C2 prize money. It took me a long time to get that, but at the very end, so this season it started, we, had, we have equal prize money in everything except the World Cup. And everything except? Yeah, and the World Cup I worked on for four years, I gave them like eight different propositions as how to do it, and not a single one they agreed. But the overall is closer now, it's only about 10,000 euros difference. But each individual round of the World Cup, the men get 40,000 euros in total, we get 10. Wow. So it's a huge, huge difference for that. Yeah. But Trek did equalise. The Trek World Cup in um, America was equal prize money for men and women, and they did that off their own back for the first time also on the commission um i got some under 23 women's world championships and we have a junior women's world championship from 2020 there's a few other things that relate to men and women (laughs) but most of the stuff i was trying to do was for the women i got us our race time it says 40 minutes but we were having like 35 minute races because you just have to be close to 40 minutes and so i made I, I asked for 50 minutes the entire time, but they wouldn't do that. But instead, they said it has to be a minimum of 40 minutes, which now means that every race is over 40 minutes. And hopefully, yeah, in the next four years, they can make it 50. Why, why is race length different time so important? It's because the conditions... Yeah, so the conditions can make such a huge difference to the race. So... You know, if you said it's five laps, that might be on a super fast race, that could only be 35 minutes. Mm -hmm. But on a crazy, muddy race like Volkenberg, that could be an hour. (laughs) So it's the men's race for an hour, the women's race for 40 minutes. And 
I believe both should be 50 personally mm. um, but we need to progress we should if, if the men are going to be an hour we should be an hour too but we should progress to that you can't say 40 minutes to an hour straight away because nobody's trained for that so I so think like it should be steps were kind of yeah. Creeping out. Creeping towards yeah. quality. Yeah. <laughs> Crawling towards quality. <laughs> Trying to get grasp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, but do you feel do you feel confident that it's changed, you know, from your time? Um, I genuinely believe that the attitudes of the people on the commission have changed significantly in four years. Cool. The unfortunate thing is that they ditched half of us and put another half in, so now you have to change those attitudes again from the beginning. Um, why, why do you think that is? Why do you think that happened? A change of presidency, um, and anyone that they the new president feels was uh, akin to Brian Cookson would have gone. Mm. But every time a new president comes in, he wants to do new things. You know, he wants to make his mark. So yeah. um, they didn't need a token woman anymore because the athletes. There's a, an athletes commission and there's a male and a female representative from every discipline and they're elected to that by their peers. So there's a male and a female cyclocross representative on the commission now. Okay, so, so there's already, yeah. There's there's, already... They don't need the, the token yeah. woman. It's <laughs> just a given you have one male good. and female. Yeah, that's good. That makes yeah. it easier. That is good. And it's probably that I caused too much fuss. They were like, yeah, we're done with her. <laughs> like, we can get rid of her. <laughs> one of the people that was let go. Yeah, yeah. So I'm no longer on it. But I did four years and I think I made as much progress as I could. And I was at the point where I was like, if they asked me again, I probably would, I would have to really consider whether I wanted to or not. Because it's really political. Is it voluntary? Mm. Yeah. And it's really slow moving. And it's, I, the only thing I wanted to get done next was the World Cup. And I had resistance to that for four years. So how am I going to change it in the next Mm. four? I was going to say maybe you felt tired i think we see a lot of this you just yeah. put all this, your energy and then eventually you just kind of run out of yeah, i can't find gas anymore. Yeah. <laughs> there was a moment yeah like that <laughs> yeah sounds amazing sounds hard work it's encouraging people to do what's right and encouraging them to do it quicker and encouraging them to understand that there's only so much money in sport and when you have you have this pie of men cycling and you can't make it any bigger. You're not going to get anything else in. But you can add cream on top, which is the women's. <laughs> and the women have this whole new, open up this whole new field of, of money that can come into the sport. And by bringing it into the women's side of the sport, you actually grow the men's. And so yeah. everybody knows <laughs> in their hearts, time. this is how you do it. But it's changing attitudes, really. Mm-hmm. That's the, the yeah. hardest part. I guess plugging the money aspect could help, but... Well, off the back of the television coverage, the Galazzo, who run all, uh, one of the big series in Belgium, got Iceborg, which is a, a ice cream company, to ah. come in and sponsor the women's race. And right. they only sponsor ah, the women's race. So we cool. are bringing more money to the sport because of the television. And the, the teams all want a woman, because why would you not want an hour's extra television coverage for your sponsors? So yeah. mm-hmm. money talks... Yes. Unfortunately. Yeah, mm. but we're at a point where money's talking for the women in cross. So that's, that's really good, good to hear. That's yeah. really good. Uh, and then speaking of money, I saw you're over a hundred percent on your the Helen one hundred. Yeah. What percentage? Uh, yeah, you've you've hit it. What's yeah. the Helen one hundred? Yeah, tell us. What is the Helen one hundred? So the Helen one hundred is the 
we want to get 100 under 23 women to race the National Cyclocross Championships in January 2018. And we want to do that. Wait, that was... Now it's 2017, so next season. No, we're in 2018. 2019. <laughs> 2019, well done. What year is this? Yeah. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I'm a bike rider, why do I need to know what dates are? <laughs> 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 yeah. So we want 100 women in the under 23 age group, so up to anyone under the age. And when you look at nationals this year, there was only like 25, 30 elite women. And there was probably about 45 under 23s. And so you could say, well... Uh, you should actually get more elite women. But for us, for me, in my mind, how you get those women to stay in the sport and to become elite is how you actually make that category sustainable in the future. So you could say, okay, we want 100 elite women now, but are they going to stay in the sport? Mm. Whereas if you get the under-23s engaged and loving it, maybe there you could get 20 of them to stay and then your elite category becomes 55 not 35 get them young yeah basically yeah. and and that age group is the age group where women in general leave sport and don't do sport because yeah. of selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage shopify is there to help you grow shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms because businesses that grow grow with shopify Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Peer pressure because of social pressures, whatever it is that's driving them to not do it, is the reason why I want them to. Because even if they don't become professional cross riders, which isn't the aim of the Highland 100, the aim is to to grow the sport under 23 level is you gain so much confidence from learning you you just learn so much from bike racing or from any kind of competitive sport because you can set goals which are achievable for you which give you confidence you can you rally with you race against your your peers your friends you find friendships which last a lifetime and they do because they're people that you like not people that you're put in the same school class as you know and to me, cycling is freedom, cycling is confidence, cycling is a load of skills that you can carry into normal life, but it's in that 
impressionable age group of 16 to, to 20, basically, are when you make you form your opinions in life and when you form your your ideas and your personality really becomes you because you're no longer told what to think by your parents or school or something like that. And, and that influence can be really good good for those people. So and that's something aside. <laughs> but we wanted the under-23s um, to help them because, because we thought that would be good to pay for their entry to the race. And so we've achieved that. And so we relaunched yesterday because there was more money over that as well to put some money towards doing some cyclocross clinics in the UK so that we can actually engage these riders and we can talk to the local leagues because we know they have young female riders and we can get those riders to come together to do the clinics so that we can actually get them to want to do nationals and then from that point, yeah, hopefully afterwards stay in the sport. You never know. That's awesome. Are you going to focus on mainly the UK with the Helen 100? Yes, it's entirely UK based. And it's only under 23? Under 23 women. Unfortunately. (laughs) Come on. You can do nationals. No one's stopping you doing nationals. Can I pretend? Yeah. (laughs) Put some braces on. (laughs) Yeah, it's just for under 23 women just because... For, I, for those reasons, you just, for those yeah, reasons, yeah. Which is like it's really, awesome. Yeah, and yeah. I think starting, you know, yeah, working younger, grassroots, I think working upwards, because yeah, to get elite now, it's, it doesn't work like that. There are some riders that come in, at like in their mid 20s to, to mid 30s, that start the sport, and they can be just as successful. But I just think that if a lot of, of young people, Every time you go, I only really race nationals in England. I don't because I don't have the time. I'm racing other races abroad. But when you go back to nationals, you see all these young people, and they're so excited to see you, and so excited to like get your autograph and take a photo with you and stuff. And if I have that influence just by being a person that's doing my sport, then maybe by actually having communicating with them and actually getting these riders to come to clinics and teaching them something, and maybe they're actually look at me and go, oh, actually, I want to be like that, you know, and I want to be. I want to be a cross rider or I want to be I want to ride my bike all the time and mm. if you if I can influence them to keep in the sport just because of what I've achieved then maybe I need to engage with them to actually get that that influence. Yeah, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought about that actually that also the added value of this is that they can talk to you mm. yeah like they're your 100 they're your kind of fleet yeah <laughs> <laughs> deploying this kind of army but that added bonus of being like, oh, Helen paid for it. And yeah. they, you know, you're such amazing on social media as well. Like, yeah, well, anybody can just tweet you and yeah, yeah. ask them questions. <laughs> oh, you just ask anyway, don't we? You know, each one of them, like, oh, Helen, I'm worried about this, or oh, how do I do that? And having a mentor, I think, in any Accessible. field is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I'm quite accessible anyway, like yeah. like I say, but also there are quite a few young riders, like 14, 15 year olds. Last year we did a load of clinics and any of those girls that are on the clinic, I was like, yeah, send me a message anytime. And, and the boys as well. So I've helped out a few riders this year to get them on the right path into what, what races they should do and, and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I'm always there to be communicated with. But sometimes rider, if you don't know that person, you're not going to. If you've never met me, you're probably not going to send me a Facebook message and say, I want to do this race, how do I do it? But once you have met me, maybe, you know, the engagement works better, I don't know. Mm. I kind of want to know logistics-wise, are you going to kind of pick people for this 100 or it's going to be a kind of application process? No. So we're working with the organiser, Hugh Williams, and anyone that signs up, it's free. 
Amazing. basically. If we're looking like we're not going to get 100, then we're, we're also trying to, at the same time right now, we're trying to communicate with the different leagues to try and see if they've got riders that they want to want to hook up and, and stuff like that. So we'll see how the process works fully, but the money's there, it's with the organiser, so and he'll be out, he knows who's entering his race. So Yeah, I don't think you'll struggle. I don't think, I don't know the numbers, but I feel confident. <laughs> yeah, it's good. We've got confidence. Good. Yeah. yeah, it's going to happen. I wanted to talk about these cards. Yeah. I mean, because we had a funny experience with Condor Claire, Claire Beaumont. She rides yeah. a vicious fellow. Yeah. Um, just that she went to a Belgium cyclocross race. Yeah, she went to Koppenberg, I think, this year. And they were queuing up for the Pipe cards. Signed cards, yeah. <laughs> she just was like, what? what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was kind of shocked by it and kind of confused. And the funny story is that they made them, but they made them Top Trumps style. And she said that they were just like, no. I was like, you're really close, but it's still not right. Yeah. <laughs> have you been, at what point did you have to make cards? Yeah, so I've oh, had cards yeah. for a long time. You get them on Vistaprint, they're really cheap. And uh, Is there a template? Are they, yeah, like a postcard. They should wow. be postcard size. Yeah. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, and wow. so some people do bigger, some people do smaller, but the, the postcard... So... We call them postcard pervs, but they're not, they're not actually all like that. Like, there's loads of really nice kids and stuff that come along, and, and you, you want to give them a card because it's exciting for the little kids. You know, they take it yeah. home, and they like put on their wall and stuff, and that's really cool. And there are genuine fans that collect cards. But there's also a select group we call postcard pervs, and they're the ones that come around and ask for four. Four? Yeah, and it's like, I don't want to know where the other three are going. Thankfully. They're not selling them, though, as well, are they? They do. Is there a yeah, little they kind of... Yeah. Yeah, they do sell them to people that don't go to the bike races, and then... They want to They can get the... them signed and stuff like that, I yeah. I was there. No. I wasn't really. I wasn't there, but I was. But there was one guy that came around last year, particularly. He was really bad. He before last. And at the, after, like, the fourth time he came around and asked for four, Steph just gave him this watch of him and went, don't come back this season. <laughs> Because they they are the same people, and it's like you were here last week. You were here yesterday. Yeah, glasses, scarf, different hat. You're like, I know. Yeah, seriously, who are you trying to kid? Yeah. (laughs) But there are genuine postcard collectors that have these huge collections for years and years. Some people come up to you; they only go to like one or two races a year, and they come up to you with seven different ones from the last seven years and get you to sign them. Wow. And you're like, wow, I don't even remember that one. So I kind of yeah, I kind of I have a secret joy for it because it just makes me think of like train spotters mm. or you know and it's yeah. like they love it so much but it just it's like, yeah it just goes off to that other end ever so slightly yeah yeah <laughs> I'm I'm more curious about kind of how that is part of the Belgian cyclocross thing the culture because I feel like it's a different world and it's being televised in Belgium and you've got these massive crowds whereas here it's people are like what cycler what yeah (laughs) why would you do that yeah it is a a completely different that Belgium is its own epicenter for cyclocross you get 20,000 fans at every race what and it's live on television it's like NASCAR it is like NASCAR (laughs) and they have uh, so the television viewing figures you get around Six to seven hundred thousand watch the men's races, and you get around five to six and a bit watch the women's. So, the difference six hundred thousand for a country with only five million people because it's just the north of Belgium 
that is ridiculous viewing figures. And when you look at, um, it's something like on average, it's it's around sixty percent of the market share watch women and men cyclocross. That's just the Flemish bit. That's just the Flemish bit, yeah. And so you look at the day for the top ten on, say, a race like Koppenberg, and Koppenberg men's race might be fourth, and Koppenberg women's race would be sixth viewing figures for the day. Mm. And so it's a completely different world. It is like NASCAR. It's a completely different world. And then you go outside of Belgium, even to Luxembourg, and there might be a thousand spectators. And you wow. don't pay to go in, whereas in Belgium everyone pays. You go to, it's, it's very much an elite driven sport. So you have juniors, under 23, elite women, elite men. You go to America, they have 2,000 people racing on a day across all the categories, and they are what fund the race. Whereas in Europe, your spectator paying his 15 euros to go watch funds the race along with the sponsorship for television. So it's two completely different models. Mm. And it does only really work in Belgium. Outside of Belgium, it's it's much harder to get that kind of spectatorship. Even Holland, even if it's in the series that's a Belgian-based series, they don't cross the border to go to (laughs) Holland. It's like, you know, you might get 5,000 spectators in Gieten, which is a a three-and-a-half-hour drive from Belgium. Whereas if you put it on the border, you get 20,000. It's just, it is crazy. It's just, and the Belgians really embrace it. And it's like their sport and it's their love. And it's, if you ever spend time in Belgium, you understand why cyclocross is so popular. Also from Claire, we learned about what she described as the rut. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) What were your thoughts on the rut or cycling into the rut? Yeah, commit to the rut. (laughs) Commit to the rut. Commit to the rut. That, it's easier said than done but committing to the rut like uh, the world championships this year everybody committed to the rut and the rut was up to your bottom bracket it was so high Whoa. that you had to actually start a new rut because it was too deep to ride in wow so, is it but, like a groove in yeah. a curve it's, yeah. it could be in the on the corners it could be on a downhill it could be on an off camber because where everybody rides the same line it creates this groove and you if you don't get in the groove, you might slide down the hill because you don't have the grip. So the grip, it's like being in the rails, you know, you get into the rail and it holds you in and gets you down the hill. So like riding a tram track. Yeah, but there's other ruts. So sand ruts are different. So in a sand, you want to be in a sand rut because it's faster because it's actually, you found the hardest ground and that's the fastest way to get through. But you really have to commit to the sand rut because any little bit offline and it just flicks you straight over the handlebars or off somewhere else or and you crash it doesn't hurt when you crash in sand but it's pretty epic when you do and you normally get a face full of it so it's just never fun <laughs> but in sand there's like five or six ruts and you just have to choose which one to commit to and you which hope it's the best one work. yeah basically and then when you get in mud now <laughs> and then when you get in mud now again, that's different. If it's if it's a flat mud and there's like twenty different ruts, you really have to choose the right one because that might have hit a bit of solid ground underneath, and it might fire. If it gets wet, you can't see in it. You just have to hope that that's the right one. And then you've got frozen ruts, which are horrible, Ooh. and they really do. When you get out of them, they hurt when you crash because the ground's it's frozen. So and yeah. So there's all kinds of ruts. There's not just one rut. But you have to commit to all of them. You have to commit to all of them, basically. Yeah. Wow. And sand. With the flow, sand ruts you have to approach with really good speed and commit at the same time, which is actually quite hard work to not go, oh my God, I'm going to die and break. Yeah. You have to commit full gas to those ones. I've had that bit with 
track I did, you know, in the curve. Yeah. Um, and you, they're like, you need to go fast, go up it. You know, and you're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go. Oh, I love it. I like want to go really sideways. slow. Yeah. <laughs> interesting yeah it sounds similar to i just did a um like a mountain biking technical session yeah over the weekend and cyclocross sounds like a cross between road and mountain biking where it's like a more technical form of road racing yeah yeah it's not just going in a straight line like oh, you no. have to handle the bike and do yeah. turns and yeah there there some courses are particularly mountain bikey and some courses are particularly fast and then there's cyclocross skills, which you don't get in anything else. So like sand, sand riding, you, you never experience anything like it. horrible. It's fun. It's so sand much fun. Riding. Yeah, you have the right tires, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's when you achieve something, it's exciting. Yeah, going down a sand descent is amazing. <laughs> Without breaks up. It. Yeah. Really yeah. It. It's fun. I love a good descent. Do you have any plans for next year other than just cracking on? Or? Yeah, cracking on, really. <laughs> Pretty much. Not another 100. Yeah, committing to more ruts. My plans for next season are to get faster and better skills and more results, basically. I have some goals, but I'm not ready to share them yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're, sure. what are, yeah, big races do you oh, have? Oh, every race. All of them. Yeah, World Cups, World Championships, European Champs, Nationals, all of the DBV series, everything, basically. I had four goals this year, and I achieved three of them, so next year I have three different goals, because this year I had to move up the world ranking. I was 30th after my crash from last year, and I ended up fifth in the world at the end of the season, so... That, I was really proud of that. That was something I wanted because it means your start row, your start is, position is based on your world ranking. So you want to be in the top eight because it gives you a front row grid. So that was a goal. I achieved that. I wanted to win nationals. I achieved that. And I wanted to win Koppenberg and I did that. So I just didn't get a medal at Worlds. <laughs> that was my last goal. <laughs> yeah, so you're, um, you're ranked fourth in the world. Fifth in the world, yeah. Fifth. Oh, wow. Yeah. So amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I went from 30th, which is really, wow. really tough to do. And so yeah. I went from like 500 points to 1,530. So. Any yeah. cool. <laughs> Other than commit to the rut, one piece of advice for anybody getting into cyclocross? Um, enjoy it, smile, and in every race, do something which scares you because it means that you'll achieve more the next time. Amazing. Thank you so much, Helen. No Thank worries. You. Thank you. If you like what we do, don't forget to like... like rate and subscribe, subscribe and share with a friend yeah, that see, one friend you know that friend that likes cycling and podcasts yeah. there's a lot of them uh, out there yeah the goofiest one send choose them, that one send them this podcast yes yeah. that's all from us bye friends bye <laughs>
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 